Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, welcome here. Today is a good day. Excited about having you guys here on site and excited about having you here online. Uh, wherever you're joining us from today, uh, we're excited about you being here. And I know some of you will be watching this later in the week, so excited about you getting a chance to watch this later in the week as well. Well, this last week, uh, I was in my office all by myself, and uh, something triggered a sad thought for me. So I was going about doing some things, and, uh, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just a little something that was sad. Uh, particularly about this COVID season. And so I had this sad moment, uh, and it was a sad thing, which wasn't a big deal, but it was added on to a couple of other sad things that happened in the, in the week prior, and those got added on to some other sad things that have happened over the last couple of months. And kind of on and on it went. It was kind of like an avalanche of sad thoughts that hit me all of a sudden. All these little things uh, that were sad, COVID things and other things and, and that kind of stuff. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you have those moments where it seems like all the sad thoughts come at once. We all have sad things that happen to us, sometimes on a, on a daily basis. Uh, but uh, one of the things I've, I've got to kind of admit to you is that sometimes when these sad thoughts happen, uh, I sometimes give in to the sadness. One of the things I do sometimes, I, I'm sometimes a moper. I sometimes pout, and I will go to my little corner and I will pout for a while. But not this day. Sometimes it feels like I'm kind of getting this sadness coming upon me like a death from a thousand cuts, right? Not a lot of big things, but a lot of little things. But not on this day. On this day, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, and remind me that this was an attack of the enemy. All of a sudden I went, oh, of course it is. It's an attack of the enemy. So I want you to remember something here that I just said. I, I, I was alone in the church. This is a very important thing to remember. Because as I was alone in the church, I was able to begin to sing. And so I just began to sing. And I walked up and down the hallway of the offices there. And I sang. And I sang the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, holy and anointed one, Jesus. I just sang the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden it was like breakthrough. Breakthrough happened. Breakthrough happened. God began to remind me of, of the blessings that have been happening over this time. And not just a, a thousand blessings to combat the thousand little cuts of sadness, but 10,000 blessings, 100,000 blessings, I'm sure many more than that, blessings, things that have happened in this season that God has done. And it's not that the sad things were no longer sad. Those sad things were sad. That's just what they were. But the sad things were no longer my focus. God raised up worship in me to do spiritual battle against the attempt of the enemy to focus me on the sad things. I began to worship God and began to count my blessings. 
I have a job. That's a blessing. I, I have breath in my lungs. That's a blessing. Uh, Farrell and my four kids, they are all blessings. I have a roof over my head. I ate breakfast this morning. I, I get to connect with all of you guys. These are all blessings, things that God reminded me of that were amazing things. So let's do some spiritual battle today. What are your blessings? Now turn to the person next to you and just tell them one blessing from this last week. One, just one quick little blessing, something that you would say, this, this was a blessing that came out to me this last week. Just share those with the people next to you. So I was sharing this story with someone this week, and we were talking about how it's okay to be sad. There are sad things that happen, and it's okay to be sad. It's actually healthy for us to grieve a little bit about the sad things. And as I was talking to this person about being sad, they said to me, because they were experiencing some sadness as well, they said, yes, I'm sad, but I am not in despair. What a great way to look at it. Yes, I'm sad, but I am not in despair. It reminds me of this passage in 2 Corinthians. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We actually used to sing a song about this. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, some of you remember this? I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure, that his joy is going to be my strength. And though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. Come on. Oh, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. This is where we agree. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now, you may have sung that as a camper, but I sang that when I first became a Christian. I began to hear these songs in church, and we sang these songs together. Oh, when we make agreement that we're trading over our pain and our sickness and our shame. We're trading those for the joy of the Lord. What a good song. Thanks for joining with me in that. It's a declaration of faith in Jesus, and it's spiritual battle. It's spiritual battle. We face sadness and difficulties and trials and tribulations, but our eyes remain focused on Jesus. I may be sad, but I am not in despair. So how do we have this ability today to take our eyes off of the broken things, off of the sorrow and the pain and the shame, and put them onto something different? Well, 2,000 years ago, there was a dark night that changed everything. We read this, Dave read this for us at the beginning in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. The good news of great joy delivered in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of people not expecting anything to happen. Good news of great joy. Today is the second Sunday of Advent where we celebrate the joy of Jesus, simply Jesus. Last week we talked about the love of Jesus. Jesus is love. And this week we're talking about joy. Jesus is joy. I've been reading a lot in the book of John lately. John is my favorite apostle. I might be a whole lot like Peter sometimes, but John, John is my favorite. When you read about John, you see a guy who knew Jesus. John is often at Jesus' side. We see John leaning his head against the, the chest of Jesus during the Last Supper. John was, was there at the crucifixion of Jesus, the only disciple to stick around, or I guess the only apostle to stick around. John was the, the, one of the first to see the empty tomb. John was the last apostle to see Jesus, having a vision of him uh, and seeing him in his glorified state. John wrote the book of Revelation, seeing this amazing glimpse of Jesus on the throne of heaven at the end of days. John was enthralled by Jesus. Of all the people on the earth, I would say that John probably knew Jesus the best. He seemed to be the apostle that drew closest to Jesus. And so I love reading the Gospel of John and the epistles of John because in those books you see a glimpse of Jesus coming from a person who knew him so closely. The Gospel of John is focused on Jesus more than any other book, I think, in the whole of the Bible. In fact, uh, do, you, do you notice that the seven I am statements of Jesus are recorded uh, in, only in the Gospel of John? Do you know about these I am statements? Here, here they are. Jesus says these things. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Dave, I really appreciated, I, we didn't talk ahead of time, but you sang that song today that, that was just about all the things that Jesus is for us. When we lack joy, Jesus is joy. When we lack truth, Jesus is truth. I mean, just what a good song. What a good song. When we look at these I am statements, it's important to remember something that, that actually is at the very beginning of the Bible. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, Moses is talking to God. And this is the famous moment where Moses is walking by and he sees this bush that's on fire and he goes over to the bush and he sees that the, the bush is on fire but it's not being eaten up and God speaks to Moses through this bush. God tells Moses he's going to send him to, to the Israelites to speak to the Egyptians, to speak to Pharaoh, this amazingly powerful man, and to speak to Pharaoh so that he would release the Israelites and Moses says to God, God, as I go to speak to your people, to the Israelites, they're going to ask me, 
Who is it you're coming to speak to us? On whose behalf do you say these things? What am I going to say to him? What's your name, God? And God tells Moses this. He says, I am who I am. God is the great I am, the all-sufficient one. And now you and I might describe ourselves as the son or daughter of so-and-so or the husband or wife of somebody or the parents of somebody or the person that was born here and went here or had this job or did this thing, but God can't compare himself to anything else because he is so totally above everything else that the only way he can describe himself properly is is to say, I am who I am. I am the all-sufficient one. I stand apart from everything else. I am above everything. God is simply the all-sufficient and stand-alone one, the great I am. And so when John picks up on Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, John is calling us to remember the great I am. In fact, when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, he does this lots Uh, But when he's speaking to the Pharisees about his legitimacy to do what he's doing and to to say what he's saying, the the reason he tells them that he is able to do what he does and say what he says is is found in John chapter 8. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, as soon as he says this to the Pharisees, in in John chapter 8, it says the Pharisees picked up stones right away to stone him. What a strange reaction. If you were having a conversation with somebody and they all of a sudden grabbed a boulder to lob at your head, you would go, wait, wait, what did I say? Well, Jesus here is saying, I am, the same way that God said, I am. Jesus is saying, I am, I am God. I am like the Father. I am like the Holy Spirit. I am. He is the all-sufficient one. He stands alone sufficient in himself. And the beautiful part for us is that at the same time that Jesus is sufficient in himself, he is all-sufficient for us as well. Jesus is all-sufficient in himself, and he is all-sufficient for us. John draws attention to these I am statements to draw us to the, the realization that Jesus is all that we need. He's all that we need. He is our I am. Everything that we need is in Jesus. Consider the woman at the well, which is a fantastic story. If you get a chance later on to read it, it's in John chapter 4. We find her going to a well to draw water out because she's thirsty. And Jesus is speaking to her, and he tells her that he can give her a spring of water that would well up within her. And Jesus is speaking about himself. He tells her that he is the spring of water that will well up within her and she will thirst no more. Jesus is the internal water that provides us with life. Uh, Peter also speaks about how Jesus is all that we need. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, here's what Peter says. He says that Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have all we need in Jesus. He is our everything. He is our everything. Jesus came, not that we would just have salvation, but that we would have him. 
If there's anything that we lack, if there's anything that we need, we find it all in Jesus. Simply think of these virtues. Love. Do you need love in your life? Joy. Do you need joy in your life? How, how about peace? Anyone here want joy, love, or peace in life? More, anybody want more, more of that? You at home. Raise your hand if you do. How about patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Do we need any more of that in our lives? Well, look no further. These characteristics are here in Jesus. These are the fruit produced by Jesus in you through the Holy Spirit. This is, these are the gifts, or the, sorry, not the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5. This is what the Spirit of Jesus produces in you. It's Him. Do you hunger or thirst for anything more? Jesus is the bread of life and the wellspring of water that lives within you. Do you need life? Jesus is life. Do you need light? He is light. Do you need joy? He is joy. What do you need? Jesus is the great I am. He's the all-sufficient one who is all-sufficient for you. We spend so much time searching for life and joy and meaning in the world, and we come up with such trivial and useless, useless things that never last, all along missing the one who is the great I am. John records a moment with Jesus that illustrates this so well. Do you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish? This is a miraculous story. It's, it's found in John chapter 5. But it begins with this verse. Here's how this whole story begins. John chapter 5 verse 4, the Jewish Passover feast was near. Don't miss this verse. This is not a throwaway verse. This is not just to tell you kind of a timeline of events. This is a super important verse. The Jewish Passover feast was near. The Passover was the celebration of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. It was celebrated by eating bread and drinking wine. It was focused around the killing of a perfect lamb who was a substitutionary sacrifice for the people. The Jewish Passover feast was near. Jesus is on a hillside with his disciples, and a great crowd shows up. Like a great crowd, like a huge, big, gigantic crowd. 5,000 men and then women and children on top of that. There were potentially 10 to 15,000 people that just showed up on a hillside where Jesus, Jesus and his disciples were hanging out. Jesus tells his disciples, can you go and feed all these people? Can, can you imagine if four or five times the population of Beaver Lodge walked up and surrounded the church here, and I just said to you, go, go feed them. You would be blown away by that statement. You'd go, are you kidding me? What could I possibly do to feed these people? But then Jesus takes a little boy's lunch, five loaves of bread and two small fish, and he multiplies it, and he feeds those 5,000 men plus the women and children that are there. It's, it's very miraculous. And then Jesus and the, the disciples go to the other side of the lake. They get in the boat, and they go to the, the other side. Actually, it says that Jesus walks across the water. This is a, not part of our story today, but it's in there in John chapter 5. But the gist of it is that both Jesus and his disciples get to the other side of the lake, 
And the other people that are there, these five, ten, or 15,000 people, all of a sudden realize Jesus and his disciples are gone. They're on the other side of the lake. So they, they hijack some other boats that are there, and they rush to the other side of the lake to find Jesus. Jesus sees the people show up, five, ten, or 15,000 people in boats coming on the shore. And in John chapter 6, here's what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, this should remind you a little bit. If you've read the story of the woman at the well, it should remind you a little bit about that conversation that Jesus just had just a couple chapters earlier with this woman. Here, here at this moment in John chapter 4 is what Jesus says. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. With the woman at the well, Jesus talks about water that he has the power to give them water that will last. And here, with the crowds, Jesus talks about bread. Bread that will feed them and satisfy their hunger. Both of these things, the water and the bread that Jesus is going to give these people, or can give these people, both lead to eternal life, and they both point to Jesus. Our hunger and our thirst that we try to satisfy with so many lesser things points us to Jesus. After a short discussion with the people, uh, the people asked Jesus, give us this bread that endures to eternal life. And they, of course, are thinking about maybe some magical type of bread. They, they actually think about the manna that when they were in the desert, the Egyptians, after the Israelites left Egypt, they had this manna that God gave them on the ground every morning. They're thinking about that. Give us, give us bread that endures to eternal life, they say. But Jesus responds, after they're thinking in the very literal sense, Jesus responds in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We try so many things to satisfy this hunger and thirst that's in us. All around the world, people are searching for something to fill that great big hole in our guts. Wealth, power, food, sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll, even religion, especially religion. We try to fill our gut with everything except for the one thing that will actually satisfy. And there is only one thing that will actually satisfy, and that's Jesus. See, we were made for more. We were made for more, but we try to find the more in the refuse. Depression, regret, hopelessness, this all occurs when we realize that no matter how much stuff we have, no matter how many drinks we drink or how many times we go to church, nothing actually satisfies that hole in our gut other than Jesus. When a thousand sad thoughts come upon us like an avalanche, how do we combat that? Jesus, Jesus, holy and anointed.
anointed one, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When the angels broke out in song 2,000 years ago, they said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He's the good news of great joy because he is joy. Jesus is our everything. So maybe you're here today or watching from home and you don't know Jesus. You need to know how much he loves you. You need to know that he is everything. And he desires to come into your life. He desires to come and live with you. Jesus wants to bring you hope because he is hope. He wants to bring you joy because he is joy. He wants to bring you peace because he is peace. And he wants to bring you love because he is love. If you don't know him today, would you invite him into your life? A simple prayer, Jesus, come into my life today. Come and be my everything. Come and be my everything. Now, if you do know Jesus, if you know him, but maybe you're not experiencing him as the all-sufficient one, maybe you recognize, I lack joy, I lack hope, I lack love, I lack peace. Well, it could be because sometimes we invite Jesus into our life, but we like him to be kind of over there. If you can imagine you, your life, being like a house, sometimes we invite Jesus onto our back deck because it's nice to have Jesus around. But we'd really rather him stay on the back deck and not come inside and, and begin to move the furniture around, not begin to rearrange our kitchen or, or go through our closets where he might find some really ugly stuff. We'd rather Jesus kind of stay on the deck for a while. Because if Jesus came in, I mean, he might walk around the place like he owns it. It would just be easier, Jesus, if you stayed on the back deck. But if you do that, if you do that, you're not going to experience everything Jesus has for you. You've got to invite him in. So maybe you've known Jesus for a while, but now is the time to not just invite him into your house. Maybe it's time to give him the keys to the house and tell him, Jesus, Jesus, I give you my everything so that you can become my everything. Amen. Folks, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I have never regretted asking Jesus to be my everything. So this Christmas season, let us focus on Jesus, simply Jesus. Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.